If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. School of Humans. Hey, filth heads, or whatever you're called. I'm going to start this episode with a personal story, just because it annoys me, and I want to tell you guys, and it's vaguely related to the content of this episode. So this is a real thing that happened to me. My ex-boyfriend from college really wanted me to be best friends with his mom, which, already a huge red flag. It's like, yeah, I should have a good relationship with your mom, but I don't need to be like obsessed with your mom like you are. But that's fine. Neither hither nor thither. But it got really bad because for us to bond, what my ex suggested was that when I came to visit him, he thought that his mom and I should go get enemas together. Which, okay, I get where he's coming from. Like, I'm a very emotionally and physically constipated person. Also, his mom has Crohn's disease. So, an enema isn't a crazy idea. But to go with his mom, who I didn't really know, and then get them together, that just feels like a lot, you know? Like, I I, I don't even want to get a couple's massage with my significant other, let alone a couple's enema with your mom. And then he got mad at me. I think I was being perfectly reasonable, okay? But wow, speaking of enemas... We're talking about that today. While today people get enemas for a variety of reasons, maybe because your butt's not working and it'd be good to like get some shit out of there or you have Crohn's or something. Back in the day, like even through the early 20th century, it used to be pretty common in medicine to use an enema to feed people rectally. And this would happen when doctors needed to force feed people, like people in an asylum. And then when there were hunger strikes during the protest of the suffragettes, someone suggested that they should give them some food anally, which that didn't happen, but it's a good threat. You know, I might give up my rights if someone was like, I'm going to feed you rectally. Medicine has advanced since then, and we know that you cannot get nutrients from eating with your ass. But back then they had this idea that that which can go down can also go up, meaning, yeah, you can eat 
with your mouth and it goes out to your butt. But maybe you could also eat with your butt and it could go through your body and even sometimes make it all the way back to your mouth. The evidence for that was a couple of test subjects were given enemas. Afterwards, they had bad breath and the bad breath smelled like the food that was put in their butt. But that was like literally two people. But the thing is, like, if you were going to get an enema to feed you, beef enemas were all the rage. Here's a recipe for one. Infuse a third of a pound of fresh beef, finely minced, in 14 ounces of cold, soft water, to which a few drops of muriatic acid and a little salt have been added. After digesting for an hour to an hour and a quarter, strain it through a sieve and wash the residue with five ounces of cold water, pressing it to remove all soluble matter. The mixed liquid will contain the whole of the soluble constituents of the meat, and it may be drank cold or slightly warmed. I guess by drink, they mean drink with the butt. My ass is thirsty. Oh, this is so gross. I'm so sorry. But it is American Phil. And actually, this recipe came from the one and only Dr. Dr. Willard Bliss. That's right. This doctor's first name was Dr. The story is that when he was a wee fresh babe, the doctor who oversaw his delivery was Dr. Willard. And some of the women who were in the room joked to his mom and dad, they're like, wouldn't it be hilarious if you named your baby Dr. Willard? And I guess his parents agreed. They're like, yeah, that would be so funny. So we'll just call him Dr. Willard. Or maybe they felt like a lot of pressure and were like, oh, God, I can't think of a single other name except for the one you suggested. Fine, let's name him that. Or maybe they were like really into manifesting. And we're like, if we name him doctor, maybe one day he'll be a doctor. And then he won't die as another poor person. And perhaps indeed, it was manifestation. He became a doctor. And it was perhaps this foolish name that propelled him through the 19th century with great success despite some enormous failures. People looked at him and they're like, yeah, you're a white guy. You're a man. Your name is doctor. You must be trustworthy. And Dr. Dr. Willard Bliss he used that enema recipe for many patients. Most notably from history, after an assassination attempt on July 2nd, 1881, he got to use it on President James Garfield. So this is American Filth. Today, an episode of Literal Filth. This is the story of how President James Garfield might have died not from a bullet wound, but from the infections caused by his doctors, notably from Dr. Dr. Willard Bliss, a man of ego and a hater to the oncoming antiseptic movement. Theme song! This is American Filth, and I'm your host, Gabby Watts. Every week I tell you a filthy story from American history. Today's episode, Enemas and Pus. It's July 1881, and yeah, we all know about President James Garfield's various sexcapades, but at this point in his life, he and his wife Crete, they seem to be on pretty good terms, minus the fact that she has malaria. She falls ill just a couple months into her husband's presidency. Oh yeah, Garfield, he was elected president, if you forgot. And some people think he might have been a really great president if his term wasn't a mere 200 days. So anyway... 
Creed has malaria, and when she recovers enough to travel and to finish up her healing process, she goes to the relaxing seafront of the Jersey Shore, which at this point had a few to no Italians. Meanwhile, Garfield is also on the move. He's at the 6th Street Station in Washington, D.C. He's about to go to his alma mater, Williams College, to make a speech. And he's at the station with his Secretary of War, Nepo baby Robert Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's son. Also at the station with them were some other White House advisors and Garfield's 17-year-old son. Garfield is waiting for the train, when all of a sudden, out of the shadows, pops out a man named Charles Guiteau. Guiteau was, as some historians have described, a delusional loser. He was really creepy. So creepy that the ladies in the religious community that he grew up in had a nickname for him. Charles, get out. One time, his dad was like, if I could afford it, I would get him committed. And then his sister, and basically the last supporter of him and his family, was like, no, we shouldn't do that. We should support him. But then Charles threatened to kill her with an axe. Um, So she was like, yeah, no, I get it. He might be a little crazy. And by the way, that religious community, it was called Oneida. And technically, it was kind of, well, a little bit of a sex cult. But we'll probably talk about that in another episode. Uh Uh-huh. Before Garfield became the president, Gateau was actually very pro-Garfield. So pro-Garfield that he claimed that they were close friends, even though they had never met. During Garfield's election campaign, Gateau gave a speech about Garfield, about how great he was. And it was seen by a handful of people. But in Gateau's mind, that speech is what got Garfield elected. So he was like, well, Garfield owes me a solid on my great contribution to the election. Specifically, he should appoint me as consul in France. I am clearly very qualified for this position because A, I want it, and B, I don't speak French. Unfortunately, because he was a nobody and also unqualified, his requests were denied. So instead, Gateau became obsessed with bringing the president down. He started stalking him and prowling around the White House. And he later said that the voice of God had told him that he needed to kill Garfield. And Gateau knew that assassinating a president, that was going to be a big deal. So he went out and bought this really flashy revolver. Because he's like, this is going to look good in a museum. He finally gets his chance on July 2nd, 1881. He'd followed Garfield to the train station and was hiding in the ladies' waiting room. When he sees Garfield and Lincoln, he stalks out of the darkness and shoots Garfield twice. One bullet grazes Garfield's arm and the other one passes through his body and lodges itself in his back. No one will be able to figure out where this bullet is, though, until after his death. Guteau is immediately apprehended as President Garfield crashes to the floor. Garfield allegedly yelled out, My God, what is this? The first doctor to reach Garfield at the train station was Dr. Smith Townsend. And the first thing he does to examine Garfield is to stick his little fingies in the bullet wound. And you can bet his fingies are very dirty. Because at that point, 
what was clean, what was not clean, they had a very different perspective. Five years prior to this, British physician Joseph Lister, of Listerine fame, had gone on a tour around the United States being like, hey, if you wash your hands and sterilize your equipment, you might not kill as many people. But the American doctors were like, shut up, evil Brit, what are you saying? That there are these little things called germs that are tiny little bugs that could cause an infection? Oh, a tiny little bug is going to kill me in an open wound? You sound crazy. Gradually, people would come to accept germ theory. But at this point, no. We're just going to stick our little hands inside a wound. Multiple doctors rush to the train station. And all of them are probably probing the wound. But none of those doctors will assume the care of the president and thus get all the prestige that would be associated with saving him. No, no, no. That's going to be Dr. Dr. Willard Bliss, who's on his way to the train station. Oh, can you guys believe it? It's an ad break. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
So we all know that Dr. Dr. Willard Bliss was anointed with the name Doctor, and indeed, that's what he became. He was born in New York, but then grew up in Ohio. After all of his education, he got married, had a kid, and in 1850, Bliss and his family moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan, to a logging area. There, he worked as a surgeon, and most of the work he did was amputations. But Bliss was eager for more success. He loved success. He loved attention, and he loved money. So much so that he dabbled in some quackery from time to time and loved any self-promotion he could get. And when he set up shop in Grand Rapids, he didn't just want to limit himself to surgery. No, if there was money to be made, he was going to make it. So the sign he put up outside of his shop said, Surgeon, Oculist, and Orist. Even though he literally did not have all the skills to do all those things. He did not know about the eyes or the ears. But hey, he was born to be a doctor. He could figure it out. Bliss was a doctor during the Civil War. He was a surgeon in the Union Army. And it was a very brutal time. He saw lots of blood and guts and probably horrible things. But one day at the Battle of Bull Run, Bliss felt like he had seen enough and he deserted. He ran away, a coward, leaving lots of people to die. Dr. Bliss seemed to be practicing a little too much self-care at this moment. Despite the Bull Run deserting, then-President Abraham Lincoln had built a hospital in Washington, D.C., and he actually made Bliss the superintendent to supervise the whole thing. One of the first things Bliss did as superintendent was get himself thrown in jail. Oops. Basically what happened was that there was this inventor of a new stove, and he bribed Bliss $500 so that Bliss would use the stoves for the building. But Bliss, he had friends in high places. He got legal counsel from a senator. So he was released from jail and just carried on being a superintendent. And then when Abraham Lincoln was shot by John Wilkes Booth, Bliss was one of the doctors who arrived to treat him. But weirdly enough, the other doctors who were there specifically prevented him from helping the president. And then Bliss just sat back. And this might have been because at this point, Bliss just didn't have the best reputation. Before the Civil War, he got involved in some pretty controversial stuff in the name of capitalism. Some people even thought he was a bit of a quack. For example, he started selling Cundurango, which was a distilled bark from a tree in Ecuador, which was supposed to be the cure for all sorts of diseases. In a newspaper, Blitz advertised it as Cundurango, the wonderful remedy for cancer, syphilis, ulcers, and other chronic blood diseases. He promised that he was hustling authentic Cundurango, saying, we ensure that none but the genuine article shall be sold by us. And we particularly call the attention of the public for their protection to this fact. Well, this was a big issue in the medical world because this was considered homeopathy, where people would use plants and other natural treatments to treat diseases. But the very traditional doctor establishment was like, these people are crazy and these remedies don't work. If you do homeopathy or even if you talk to somebody who does homeopathy, we're going to kick you out of the societies. And that's what happened to Bliss. He got kicked out of the District of Columbia Medical Society. 
And technically, it wasn't even just for the Kundurango. It was also because Bliss thought that Black doctors should be admitted to the society. So ding, ding, bonus points for Bliss. He eventually gets readmitted. He concedes that homeopathy is dumb and fake. And that it was so silly of him to ever try to do stuff like that. Yuck. But still, his reputation is not completely restored. And this also means that he is totally against trying new things. Like, for example, accepting the new sanitation standards suggested by Lister. So when President Garfield gets shot, Bliss sees a major opportunity there. If he could cure the president, everyone will respect him. How Bliss became the head physician to Garfield after the assassination attempt, it's not 100% clear. We know that Garfield and Bliss had known each other for a while. Like when Garfield was attending Western Eclectic in Hiram, one day he was walking down the street and he lost his wallet that contained all the money he needed to pay for school. And he was freaking out. He's like, where's my wallet? Where's my wallet? When he comes upon a man who's like, hey, did you drop a wallet? I found it. And Garfield's like, oh my God, that's so great. Thank you so much. And the guy who actually found it was Bliss. What an amazing meet cute. The two were acquaintances over the years. And apparently Garfield wrote in support of Bliss when he was kicked out of the medical society. So, you know, maybe it was because they were friendly. That's why people thought about calling Bliss to the scene. Other people think that Richard Lincoln, the Nepo baby, suggested him as Garfield's doctor. He was like, oh, well, Bliss was there when my dad died, so that means he has a very specific set of skills, which is being present when a president gets shot. Another doctor said that the way that Bliss got the job, he said he just took charge of it, and he stuck to it, shoving everyone else aside. Neither the president nor Miss Garfield ever asked him to take charge. Lucretia Crete actually confirmed that they had never chosen him. Bliss, though, he says it a totally different way. In his memoir, he said that Garfield specifically wanted him. Bliss said that Garfield said, I desire you to take charge of my case. I know of your experience and skill and have full confidence in your judgment. But anyway, Bliss arrived at the train station where Garfield was still lying on the ground in a lot of pain. And Bliss's first examination was brutal. First thing that he did is he took a long probe that had a white porcelain tip. And this type of porcelain tip was used to try to find where the bullet was. If it would hit bone, it stays white. If it hits a bullet, it leaves a mark because of the lead. So he does that. Doesn't find anything. He goes three inches deep into the cavity. Owie, 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 ow. And then he couldn't get the probe out because it was caught on a piece of bone. So eventually he has to push down on Garfield on his broken rib and just yank it out. Then he sticks his dirty fingers inside of Garfield so deep that he could feel his ribs. And then he got another probe, which he bent in a curve so it could just slither around Garfield's back. And there was another doctor there named Dr. Purvis. And he was like, Bliss, maybe you should stop the examination. It doesn't seem to be working and Garfield is crying. But the thing is, Bliss wouldn't stop. And so begins the treatment of Dr. Bliss on President Garfield. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So Garfield is transported to the White House, and Dr. Dr. Willard Bliss gets to work. His first order of business was to make sure that no other doctor tried to interfere with his job as head doctor. According to Garfield's regular doctor, Dr. Baxter, he rushed to the White House to tend to Garfield once he heard what had happened. But when he arrived, Bliss was like, sorry, why are you here? This is my patient. And the doctor was like, what the hell are you doing? And Bliss was like, scram, Garfield wants me and only me. He said, quote, you may have been his physician for 10 years, but you were not his physician this morning. Bliss then escalated it to, I know your game. You wish to sneak up here and take this case out of my hands. I know how you are, sneaking around to prescribe for those who have influence and who will lobby for you. Offended, Dr. Baxter departed and Bliss sent word to all the other doctors to not disturb him. He wrote, Dear Doctor, At the request of the President, I write to advise you that his symptoms are at present so favorable as to render unnecessary any further consultations, until some change in his condition shall seem to warrant it. Thank you most cordially for your kind attention and skillful advice, and for which the President and family are deeply grateful. I remain very respectfully, D.W. Bliss. Indeed, at first, 
Garfield did seem to stabilize, but that wouldn't last for long. The president's health was the talk of the town. Everyone was reading about the president. As he worked on Garfield, Bliss would release these bulletins every day, sometimes multiple times a day. He sat down with a New York Times journalist and was optimistic about Garfield's health and also really confident about his ability to save him, saying, if I can't save him, no one can. But despite what Bliss was saying to the press, things weren't going that great. For one, even though Bliss was very anti-Lister at this point, you know, anti-antiseptics, he violated the antiseptic standards even for 1881. I mean, all those doctors at the train station did, but it wasn't normal practice to just stick your fingers in an open wound. Another thing that Bliss did that was kind of messed up was that the White House was right next to some marshes. So Bliss was paranoid that Garfield was going to get malaria. So what he did is he gave the president quinine every day. And what quinine does is it makes your tummy hurt real bad with this terrible intestinal cramping. And Garfield already had a lot of tummy issues. At one point, a doctor had told him he should get part of his intestine removed. But instead, what Garfield did was he just went on this really strict diet. Part of his diet was that every day for lunch, he'd eat a sandwich of raw beef and stale bread. Mmm. But during his treatment under Bliss, Bliss put him on a diet of rich meats, which upset his tummy even more. Garfield started vomiting a lot. On July 22nd, three weeks into treatment, a large amount of pus came out of Garfield's wound, along with a fragment of clothing and a piece of bone. And the next morning, he got a really high fever. Bliss directed a surgeon to irrigate his wound with a catheter. This was probably extremely painful for Garfield, and also it made his wound fill with pus. In fact, during the months of his treatment, Garfield was quite pussy the whole time. And then the next day, they made the incision even bigger. By the end of July, Bliss still did not know where the bullet was, and he was getting more and more stressed. He wrote, I can't afford to have him die. And Bliss was convinced that the bullet was in Garfield's liver, which was incorrect. So finally, he called in the help of somebody else. Bliss wasn't pleased about this, but it was his only option. The person he called in was Alexander Graham Bell. He had just invented the first telephone, so he was a bit on a roll. And he had also invented a new tool called the induction machine. It was basically a metal detector. So Bell came to the White House with a machine, and Bliss was still being really controlling. And he didn't even let Bell hold the arm of the machine. Bliss was like, give it to me, I'm going to do it. But the first experiment failed. Bell couldn't find the bullet. He was like, what the heck, this has literally worked every other time I've used it. So he went home and he tweaked the device and came back to try a second time. This time, Bliss only let Bell search one side of Garfield's body, the side of the body where Bliss thought the bullet was. And then, ding, 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 the device went off. Bliss was like, haha, I am right. But Bell was like, did you do as I told you and remove the springs from the bed before I did the test? Because that will pick up as well. And Bliss was like, please hold. And then he made a public announcement that Bell's machine failed. And they went back to Bell and was like, oh yeah, I did forget to move the springs. That, that's my bad. And Bell was like, should I try again? And Bliss was like, mm, no. 
Meanwhile, Bliss was still on the hunt for the bullet, so he directed his surgeons to just probe into Garfield to search for it. And all these incisions were getting infected, filling with an evil ooze that was even dangerous to the physicians. There were also all these pus-filled sacks all over Garfield's body, a sign of sepsis. And Garfield was losing a lot of weight. Over the course of Bliss's treatment, he dropped from 210 pounds to 130. So that's when Bliss turned to his beef enemas. So now not only does Garfield have all these failed incisions in his body, he's also being force-fed through his bottom. So it's like August now. Garfield's feeling like shit. And also, that room probably got really smelly because having beef rotting in your butthole isn't going to smell good. And yet, he still seemed to continue to trust Bliss. But at the same time, he wasn't really in great shape. He maybe couldn't realize how dumb his doctor was being by not accepting help from other doctors. Meanwhile, Bliss is getting more and more criticism from the outside. He keeps being like, Ah, Garfield, he's fine. And then everybody else was like, I think you're lying. And then Bliss is like, well, think about me. I'm tending to Garfield around the clock. Why don't you care about how I feel? Also, at one point I cut my hand and then I got some of his evil ooze pus on me and now it hurts really bad. Bliss did get ill, basically having like pus fever. But again, he's still not letting anybody take over his doctoring, even though he's feeling so bad. It gets to early September, and it's looking like there's no hope for Garfield at this point. His wife, Crete, asked him, does it hurt? And he said, it hurts only to live. Garfield asked to be moved to a house by the sea. Bliss was like, no, that's a terrible idea. But at this point, it seemed Garfield realized he didn't have much time left. They hadn't been able to find the bullet. All of the surgeries had made his condition even worse. He had lost so much weight. Nothing was helping. He was so weak. So Bliss finally conceded, fine, let's go by the shore. Garfield finally died on September 19, 1881, at 10.35 p.m. Bliss wrote, I cannot describe this scene. The vital spark has gone. No human skill or courage of heart could longer avail. The once magnificent physique, which had been so constantly and tenderly watched, lay untenanted before us. There was no sound, not even a weeping. All hearts were stilled. Needless to say, after Garfield's death, Bliss is absolutely eviscerated in the press. Even Charles Gateau, the would-be assassin, used Dr. Bliss as a defense in his trial. In the trial, Gateau claimed that he did not kill the president. He only wounded him. What he said was, yes, I shot the president, but his physicians killed him. Unfortunately, that defense didn't work, and he was hanged on June 30th, 1882. And after Garfield died, they did an autopsy. And the autopsy revealed that Bliss was completely wrong. The bullet was actually lodged on the other side of the body from the liver. It was over on the side of the pancreas to the left of the spine. 
And they also found that due to all of Bliss's incisions and surgeries, he had made a 21-inch long punctured wound that actually went away from the path of the bullet. So, whoopsies, but Bliss, he thought he wasn't being thanked enough for his work. He was mad. He demanded a lot of money for the work he did, invoicing Congress $25,000, which would be like 500 k today. But they were like, heck no, you killed the president. We're only going to offer you 6500 Bliss, offended, said it was, quote, notoriously inadequate as a just compensation. To defend himself, he wrote several pamphlets and a memoir about what a great job he did. But no one really agreed. He was also ceremoniously beaten up by the medical establishment around the world. Most people thought Garfield's death could have been avoided if it had not been for Bliss's ego. One German doctor said that now we truly understand the expression, ignorance is bliss, roasted. So Bliss, he died seven years later. He never recovered from his pus fever. He never recovered his reputation. And a lot of historians today say that he, not Guiteau, was the one who killed President James Garfield. And as always, we learn a lesson from American filth. And I think the lesson that we learned today is that just because your name is doctor, that does not mean that you're a good doctor. American Filth is a production of School of Humans and iHeart Podcast. This episode was written, sound designed, and hosted by me, Gabby Watts. Our theme song is by me and Jesse Neiswanger. Amelia Brock is our senior producer, and our executive producers are Virginia Prescott, Elsie Crowley, and Brandon Barr. Please like, review, subscribe, etc. to American Filth wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow along with the podcast on Instagram at American Filth Pod. Bye. Thank you. School of Humans. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.